Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Laura Stewart, your host for It's All About the Questions, where the focus is on how questions we ask determine the outcomes we get. And I first learned how questions can change outcomes when I was a little girl watching my mom talk to my first grade teacher about teaching me to read. You can find out more about all of that story and many more on itsallaboutthequestions.com where you can download a workbook for free and sample chapters of my number one best-selling book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? Because really, honestly, for me, it is all about the questions we ask. And my guest today really gets how the questions we ask can change the outcomes. She asked herself some really tough questions, and because of it, the course of her life was so dramatically changed, and now she has helped people around the world change their lives as well. My guest is Dina Proctor. She is a life and business coach, an inspirational speaker, a number one Amazon bestselling author of what I think is one of the most amazing books ever, Madly Chasing Peace, How I Went from Hell to Happy in Nine Minutes a Day. And I reread the book again last night um, just because I'm going through so much stuff going on in my life. And as you, my listeners, know, I like to be very, very prepared. And there were so many things I remembered from the book that I knew I needed to put front and center for myself right now. So I reread it again last night. And After Dina hit emotional rock bottom, she quite unintentionally created a process called three by three meditations, three minutes, three times a day, not one by one, not two by two, but three by three that enabled her to transform every aspect of her life from weight loss and banishing addictive cravings to reconstructing relationships. This simple and yet incredibly effective method has gained the support of Jack Hanfield and Dr. Bruce Limpton. She's a top-grossing vocal meditation artist on Armvana. For those of you who aren't really good at meditating, she has some three-by-three meditations you can download and just listen, and it really works. So please welcome my amazing guest, Dina Proctor. Laura, thank you so much. It's really, really great to share this space with you today. Oh, it's so great to chat with you. You know, we haven't talked in a while, and for those of you who don't know, I know Dina personally. (laughs) So, um, as my listeners know, it's rare that they will find a guest on this show that I don't know personally. I I like to share the wealth. (laughs) Yeah, it does. I get to talk to my friends and share the wealth of knowledge that um, I get from these amazing people with the world. So, thank you for being here. Now, you moved back to Long Island from California, right? Yeah, I spent 16 years um, in L.A. area, kind of Southern California, and um, now for the past two or three years, I've worked for myself ever since I took time off to write and launch and publish the book, and now with my coaching business and speaking and everything, I'm able to, you know, I'm self-employed completely. I don't have a day job anymore, and I grew up out here. I grew up in Long Island, so it. Um, my sister has two little boys now, and I just really wanted to be part of their lives and back with my family and um, it's and you know what's really been great the season because I've had 16 years in like this perfect weather and palm trees which was great and then just really experiencing the um, you know kind of the change of the seasons and being with my family and stuff like it's really amazing I feel so blessed to be able to live wherever I want to and still do what I do it's great I, I you know I love the Northeast but I really was very happy to be living in Florida this last winter. <laughs> 
I bet. <laughs> I, I like the snow when I'm inside and there's that beautiful silence the moment it's all falling. But then when you have to get back on the road with all those people who act like they've never driven in snow before, even though they've lived there their entire lives, I, I could just do without that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think what I would probably need to do is do one of your three by three meditations before I went out to drive the car. Yeah, it's true because it really is all about our perspective on it. <laughs> so take us through a little bit because my listeners, all they know is right now you wrote this amazing book that I love that um, I keep referring back to, and that you have something called three by three meditations. But set it up for us. You know, tell tell me and my audience about how you got to this road where you're making a difference for the world. Mm, I'd love to. Um, my journey kind of started when I hit my absolute emotional rock bottom point in my life, and it was kind of the end of the year 2008. Um, I had I was in my early 30s, and I spent most of my 20s in and out of clinical depression. I had this kind of feeling like this black hole inside of myself emotionally. I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like people understood me. I had these weird tendencies to like eat in secret. Like I had this kind of food addiction, sugar thing going on. And, um, and I just never felt like I was understood that I was normal, like that there was something wrong with me. I was smart. Like in school, I had all good grades and all A's and I graduated college with honors and all of that. So it wasn't um, you know, I had a certain type of intelligence and drive and success in my career, but like personally, I felt like I was dying inside. And I was diagnosed with clinical depression when I was in my 20s. And I spent years of my 20s trying to fix this black hole inside of myself. I went to therapies, I went to group therapies, one-on-one therapies, I was doing all these types of antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication, and nothing was really sticking. Nothing was the cure-all, the quick fix, the, the even the long-term fix that I was looking for to change the way that I was feeling inside. I felt like all of these doctors and therapists were really well-meaning, but at the same time, I felt like they couldn't understand what I was going through from the inside, if you know what I mean by that. So I just had this kind of horrible aloneness that I felt going through my whole life. And of course, in my 20s, as I was struggling with this, I kept having these thoughts of like, oh, all I need is the perfect job. That's what's going to fix me. Or I just need to get married. That's the whole thing. That's why I'm so upset. I just need to meet the one. You know, like I had all of these external things that I thought, if I just fix this part of my life, that'll make me, you know, feel better. And I was changing jobs, changing cities, upgrading my boyfriend. Like every nine months, I was completely turning my life around. And nothing was working to fix this, you know, kind of black hole inside of myself. And towards my later 20s, I found myself um, drinking heavily. And I'd never been one to be much of a drinker at all, but because of this growing desperation inside of myself, it, the alcohol became almost like a solution to a problem. And um, when I would drink, I would feel this sense of, okay, I'm okay. You know, the voice in my head would shut up a little bit. I'd be able to feel this kind of, I'm cute, I'm worthy, I'm attractive, I'm confident, you know, that sort of thing, like that false um, that, that false confidence that the alcohol was giving me. And when I started drinking in my later 20s, um, the, the alcohol addiction took me down pretty quickly. It was like within a matter of weeks, I was drinking every single day. And within just a few months, I was drinking around the clock. Like I found myself not able to get out of bed in the morning until I was, you know, I had that drink. And when that started, 
I couldn't stop it, and I almost didn't want to stop it because it. I felt horrible. Like, it was not a healthy place to be, obviously, mired in alcohol addiction. But I didn't know, you know, not having alcohol addiction was also not happy for me either. So I was really stuck between a rock and a hard place with this whole thing. But as my addiction um, was taking over my life more and more, um, I became a person that I couldn't recognize. I remember for months and months, I wouldn't look myself in the eyes in my own mirror. When, during my addiction time, I started stealing money. It's not like I was poor, you know, I was employed and all of that. I didn't need to steal money, but it's kind of like I just had to like get these little fixes. I had to steal stuff. I was waking up to, next to all these guys that I couldn't remember their name and all, you know, all of my friends. I was hiding my drinking from all of my friends. I just couldn't believe who I was becoming and I couldn't live with who I was becoming. And so I, you know, I had spent years, even when I was in depression before I, before I fell into addiction, um, I spent years hoping that I would not wake up in the morning. Like I would just go to bed saying, if, if I die in my sleep, I'm really okay with that. Like I'm okay with leaving this world behind because it doesn't seem like anything is going to work for me here. And I'm okay with just letting go. That sure sounds like bottom. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then the real rock bottom was when I actually chose a date. Like, I had a plan, I had a date um, to take my own life, and that's when my whole kind of situation turned around. I ended up kind of unintentionally, but I ended up in an addiction recovery program. It took me three full months to be able to commit to the program and say, you know, that I was going to do what they told me and, and take the steps that they recommended to me and have somebody coach me through the program. But I finally agreed to try it. And one of the first things, Laura, that my um, coach in the addiction addiction recovery program told me to do was to learn to meditate. And at the time, I remember looking at her like, what the heck is meditation going to do for me? Like, shouldn't I be beating on pillows with baseball bats or writing letters and burning them? Like, this (laughs) meditation thing seems like kind of ridiculous. (laughs) It just seems so unrealistic, you know, like how on earth, like, okay, maybe once I'm happy, you know, la la, maybe then I'll start this meditation thing you're talking about, but it didn't seem like it would help me. But, you know, she was really good with me. She was the perfect person for where I was at that time. She didn't even blink when I balked at her suggestion. And she said, you know, your way doesn't seem to be working. Why don't you try mine? And I really had no comeback to that. She was right. You know, what I was doing to manage my life was not working and I had not tried meditation. So I said, all right, fine. I will... I'll give you that. I will try it. And so her specific instruction to me was to sit still every morning for 20 minutes and focus on my breathing. And I thought, well, I don't think it's going to do anything for me, but, um, you know, I, I don't mind trying it because she's, she's so adamant about it. So the first few mornings, I would set a timer like she told me to and try and really focus on my breathing. But what was happening, because I was so recently out of my addiction, I was going through a withdrawal phase. So when I would sit to meditate, my body would start shaking and sweating and all of these negative thoughts would just take me over and it became physically and emotionally intolerable for me to sit still for more than three minutes at a time. So I would have to get up after three minutes. It was like this shaky, sweaty thing was just not working for me and I would just have to keep going about my day. But a couple hours later, it would nag at me like, you know, it's the only thing she told me to do was to sit for 20 minutes. I can't even do that. So I would say, let me see if I can sit for a few more minutes right now. And I would consistently max out at the three-minute mark. But I would do the three minutes. Like, I wouldn't time it. You know, I wasn't intentionally three minutes. It just that was what my limit was. That's where I kept maxing out. And so 
I would do this six or seven times a day so that by the end of the day, I could call her and tell her, you know, I made her quota. I did my 20 minutes. And she was good with me. She said, you know, whatever you can do, do that. And you'll get to the point where you can meditate for longer than that. And what happened was about, I would say, eight weeks after this messy three-minute here, three-minute there thing, I ended up having this experience in what I can only call a state of higher consciousness. I had no mind chatter in my head, and I never even knew that that was possible, (laughs) to have no voice in my head. There was zero mind chatter, and I had this, this knowingness that my body was maybe like, 5% of who I am. And I thought my body was like the whole deal. It was like, here's me in the body and that's it. But it it was like this energy source, this higher wisdom, this sense of kind of this bigger self was very aware for me during this kind of three-day period where I had no mind chatter and I was, you know, in this state of higher consciousness. So you you had this sort of moment that was out of body. And when we come back from our mm-hmm. commercial break, we're going to talk about this a little bit more because I love the line on page 27 where you talked about your sponsor who helped you think, realize that the best thinking really hasn't gotten you where you need to go. So we're going to talk more with <laughs> Dina Proctor when we come back. We are here with Dina Proctor, author, number one bestselling author of Madly Chasing Peace, How I Went from Hell to Happy in Nine Minutes a Day and the founder of 3 by 3 Meditations. Um, Dina, before the break, you were talking about this heightened state of awareness. And I just want to share something from your book with everybody. You On, on page 136, you wrote, imagine that you suddenly discovered you were driving with the emergency brake on. Would you push harder on the gas? No, you would simply release the brake and instantly go faster without any additional expenditure of energy. Most of us are going through life with the emergency brake on. It's time to release the limiting beliefs, emotional blocks, and self-destructive behaviors that are holding you back. It sounds like at that moment, that's when you really got this. Mm, yeah, that's actually a quote from um, Jack Hamfield's book, The Success Principles. And I love that analogy because most of the time, it's almost like we are spinning our wheels and we're expending so much energy, but we're almost running in place like we're not going anywhere. And that's exactly what happened to me during that three-day kind of higher consciousness experience. It's like all of my resistance was gone. It was like I was at this deepest place of surrender. It's very different from giving up. I was not giving up. I was just saying I'm open to seeing this a new way. I'm open to giving up doing this my way, and I'm open to something greater than myself showing me where to go, what to do, how to find you know, kind of healing and peace with this. So, yeah, it's exactly right. And I love that analogy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously you love it because you put it in the book, right? <laughs> yeah. Totally. But, you know, what stood out was, you know, you, you, in your book you talk about this moment where you actually chose a day when you were going to kill yourself and mm-hmm. how you realized, okay, well, it doesn't have to be today. It could be tomorrow and, and the process you went through and, and – I myself have a great deal of difficulty sitting down for 20 minutes and meditating, meditating, especially if it's in silence. And I feel Mm -hmm. very defeated by it. And I beat myself up about it. And last week, I interviewed Patricia Knoll, author of Good With Me, where she talks about Mm -hmm. other dependent self-esteem versus self-dependent self-esteem. And she runs um, a world-renowned addiction center in the Tampa, Florida area. And for you, you, you created this three by three. So, I mean, you went from wanting to kill yourself, being completely alcohol dependent, sort of having no direction in your life, everything was external to you, to now. I mean, the, the three by threes, how does that begin? 
I mean, how did you make that bigger leap? What were you asking yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, the thing in the very beginning, I didn't know up from down. So when I would just sit in those three-minute meditations, unintentionally three minutes, obviously, I would just say, like, I didn't even believe in God. I didn't believe in anything. I didn't even know who I was talking to or what I was doing in those. I would just say, I'm open, I'm willing, just show me. Like, just show me. So it was like my question was, like, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? And I wanted to be as open as possible so that I couldn't miss it, you know? And that's what really got me to that place of absolute openness and surrender. And I think anybody can reach that place of openness and being able to recognize that we are so much more than the um, body that we're maneuvering, maneuvering through our lives in. And there's that greater sense of a higher intelligence and a higher force and a higher, um, you know, kind of power that's organizing all of this stuff around us and able to make our dreams come true. But, you know, today I, I tell people I'm living a dream I didn't know that I had because if you would have asked me six years ago, even, you know, four or five years ago, hey, do you want to quit your, your stable, um, well-paying job and take a chance and write a book and share your embarrassing story with the whole world and speak in front of hundreds of people on stage and you're terrified of public speaking? Like, if I can make that happen for you, would you like that? I would have said no. I don't even want that. This isn't something that I wanted to be doing. But as I would ask, like, the, as you're saying, what question was I asking? As I would just open myself to that space of, like, I'm open, I'm willing, please show me. And as I started to have these insights, these breakthroughs, this access to this understanding, what we call law of attraction and, um, and intuitive guidance, like none of, all of this was foreign to me. I had never seen the movie The Secret. I never knew any of this. I didn't learn any of this intellectually. It was all experiential for me. And I later discovered, oh, my gosh, all these people are already teaching this. How did I never hear about this? So I had this like opening to a super pure experience with it because I didn't have an expectation of what it should be. So it really was like that space inside of where am I going? What is coming coming of this? You know, and I'm kind of glad that the universe um, or higher guidance kind of like spoon fed it to me. If I would have known in the beginning that this is where I was going to end up being comfortable speaking to people, sharing my story with more than five people on this planet and writing a whole book, which I didn't ever think that I could do, I would have been completely overwhelmed and may have shut down. But it was kind of like came in these little bursts of inspiration. It was like, ooh, that looks like a nice six-week writing class. I'll take that. Ooh, that looks like a nice retreat to go on. And I met people, you know, so it was just these little tiny synchronicities and these little tiny signs that at the time that they were introduced to me, I wouldn't have been able to tie them forward to say, ooh, this is going to make me write a book or ooh, this is going to, you know, bring me where I don't even know that I want to go. But in being open, you know, kind of the universe dreamed for me or had held for me a dream that I didn't know that I had, a a vision for me that I didn't know that I was capable of growing into. But you had to be willing to see the synchronicities and the things that were being brought into your life. And I know for a lot of people, they can't even begin to see what I'll call the red car thing. You know, like when you decide to buy a new car (laughs) and now all of a sudden that's the only car you see on the road. And if you decide you want it in red, all you ever see are red cars. It's sort of a similar thing, but what was the one moment or the thought that you had or the question that you asked that made you realize you needed to pay attention? It probably was coming out of that three-day kind of experience where I had no mind chatter and that, you know, kind of higher awareness that I was so much bigger than my body. During that time, I realized 
that two different things that were true for me. One is that there's no such thing as time. And two, that anything that I want to manifest or create or find for my life, the exterior world, my relationships, my money situation, my career, um, everything, that's, even my body that's externally oriented is only a mirror of what's going on on the inside. So Ooh, that was so, my okay, moment Say that one more time. Say that part about the mirror one more time. <laughs> everything in the physical world, our bodies, our relationships, our financial situation, the work that we're doing in our careers, absolutely everything that's physical is only a mirrored reflection of what's going on in our inner life. Wow. Okay. That's just such a huge aha. I mean, I've heard it said before. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week on the show, everybody, but there's something so perfect about the way you said it, that we're creating our realities. Mm. We, we can blame everybody from the outside for what's going on, but we're choosing it. You chose to change your reality when you had this three-day experience of quiet mind. You could have said mm. it didn't mean anything. You chose to listen to it. That's huge. Yeah. Life-changing, you know? And the fact that you chose that completely at that moment changed the direction of your life, didn't it? That's exactly right. And because of it, you created three-by-three three meditations. Like, officially said to yourself, I need to really be doing this every day and it's not just about this one thing it's not just about healing from the alcohol it's about more than mm -hmm. that right am i yeah okay so we're going to come back from this news break which is a little bit longer and for the audience i want you to start thinking about what you can do during this news break Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hey, we're back with Dina Proctor. So, Dina, before the break, we were talking about 3 by 3 meditations and, and how you got there. Take us through yeah. the actual process. And why <laughs> we should do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Because <laughs> meditation was never something that seemed practical for me. It felt like, oh, maybe that would be a luxury that, you know, once I'm retired and I have a ton of time on my hands, maybe I'll experiment with that. I didn't realize how practical and how effective it could be in my everyday life. But when I'm working with people, you know, like the people that I coach are normally looking to transform either their bodies, their relationship with food, their relationship with loved ones, or sometimes their businesses. You know, I've even worked with businesses. And what I realized about is that when we get our mindset in order, we get our mindset right, we're no longer white-knuckling it and trying really hard to make something happen. We get into this place of being inspired. You know, it's, it's, um, it's like when I started running. I was never a runner, but I always wished I was a runner. I would see people running and be like, oh, I wish I wanted to do that. You know, I didn't want to, and it seemed really hard, 
but I, I wanted to want to do it. And so in meditation, I would just picture in my three minutes, three times a day, I would visualize myself successfully running around one block. And after a couple of weeks, I came out of one of my afternoon meditations, and I was so inspired. I tied on my running shoes, and I went and I ran that block that I'd been picturing. So we switch from, like, this place of it's hard and I have to discipline myself and, you know, kind of this, this pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of motivation. We switch to, like, this place of being inspired when we use these, you know, these little bursts of meditation throughout the day. So the way that I've been, it's been explained to me by cell biologists and neuroscientists um, is that we are literally reprogramming those neural pathways in our brain. So if you have a repetitive thought, you know, we have tens of thousands of thoughts every single day. I've heard people say we have 60 or 80,000 thoughts a day, and most of them are largely a repetition of what we were thinking yesterday and even five years ago. You know, if you've been thinking, I hate my body, or I've got to lose this weight, and it's been a long time, that's a well-worn neural pathway in your brain. Or I've, can, why should I bother trying because I've tried before and failed? It's exactly right. Why should I bother? Because the last 20 years haven't worked. Why is this year going to be different? Exactly right. It's just a repetitive thought pattern that we've thought so much that it seems like it's a fact. It seems like this is unchangeable. But if we can use these little bursts of meditation throughout the day and just refocus on what we want, and we don't even have to picture, you know, if you're $100,000 in debt, I wouldn't, you know, have you picturing, you know, $400 bottle of champagne on your private jet. Like, you don't want to go from one extreme to the other. But if you can just get to the place where it's like you can get to the place in meditation where you just say, maybe I have been stuck for a while, but I don't believe I have to be stuck forever. I wonder if there's something possible that I'm missing here. I'm open to a new way of seeing this. Like if we can just massage that out a little bit, we start to erode that, you know, kind of hard wiring, that hard thinking that we have in our minds and we open ourselves up like our brains are plastic we are able to to mold them and retrain them until you know the day we leave this planet which can be when we're 90 or 100 or 105 years old so there's always a possibility to be able to take things you know to to change it and to think differently and I always advise people you know whenever you're taking on a new um, pattern I used to be kind of a new year's resolution person right so I'd have this whole entire list of 485 things that, you know, January 1st, I'm never going to eat bread again. I'm never going to curse again. I'm going to work out five days a week. And then, you know, January 15th rolls around, February 1st, and you're thinking, uh, maybe I should join the gym. You know, you're just, it's it just, there's too much and it's overwhelming. And it all just kind of goes out the window because it's impossible to take on everything at once. So, what I encourage is, you know, if there are several life areas you'd like to have transformation or breakthroughs in, choose one. And focus on that one just for seven days. And if you've never meditated before, I like to do something that I call weeding the garden. Because if you had, like, follow my analogy here, like if you just bought a new piece of property and there was this kind of garden space in the back and it was overgrown with weeds and it hadn't been tended in years, you wouldn't just walk back there with your beautiful roses and start planting. You would know that you would need to clear the weeds out and till the soil so that the soil would be ready to accept the planting of the new roses or the planting of the new thoughts. So the first few, you know, seven days, 14 days of meditation can just be something that relaxes you, that has you realize that you can control what you focus on. Your thoughts don't have to run you. You can find a place of relaxation and space between your thoughts anytime you want to. And that's kind of, you know, weeding the garden. It's letting go of the weeds because otherwise if you plant those roses while the weeds are still there the weeds are just going to you know suck all the nutrients out of them and they're not going to thrive and it makes it that much harder 
to yeah. to do it because <laughs> you you haven't cleared even a little one inch area that's sort of a safe haven for the new thought, right? Yep, that's exactly right. And so there's just no way that that could take root. And so spending, you know, and I I take my meditation focus seven days at a time. And I've heard that it takes, you know, 21 or 28 days to change a habit. And that's kind of the rewiring of the way that you think about it. It takes me longer. Practice a routine. What's that? It takes me so much longer than 21 days on certain (laughs) habits. I don't don't know where they came up with 21 days. I think it's like an old wives tale or an old mom's tale trying to make you feel better about it. I swear sometimes it can take me months. Well, I believe that. I think it takes how long we think it takes. Because for me, it's about two and a half weeks. Okay. I noticed that. I All usually right. have a breakthrough at about two and a half weeks. But it has to do with the amount of focus that we have on what we want to create. So if half of your meditation time is kind of worrying about the past or catching yourself like, oh, I wasn't focused there. Like, of course, we all have a learning curve with it. But when you get in practice with it and you, when you can get to that place of a real, clean, pure focus in your meditation and touch into that space, you can tell by the way that you feel if you're touching into that space. When you can touch purely into that space several times a day, you really start rewiring stuff quickly. And I believe it because, I mean, look at me. I was, a, you know, a suicidal drunk. Like, I, I was no picture of, of health and <laughs> wellness at all. So I understand what it's like to be kind of stuck in a rut and feel like change is, change is hard or change doesn't come quickly. But on the other side of that, I can tell you there's really no limit. And even two and a half weeks, it doesn't have to be that long. It could be three days. It could be much quicker than that. It's about the willingness that we have and the amount of 100% focus that we can get ourselves to devote, if that makes sense. I just wrote down in my notebook for the show, I am sabotaging myself with thoughts that change can't happen for me in 21 days. I never fully Mm -hmm. realized that I had that thinking, but I do. So thank you for that. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, Laura? Like we have, because that just seems like a fact. It just seems like, hey, right. I took it as truth. And that's how it's going to be in the future. But all that is, is a well-worn neural pathway. That's right. a thought pattern that has been thought for so long that you can walk that thought pattern in your sleep, you know? And I am. So <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. It's like getting to be to the place of like, even though it's been slow in the past, I'm open to having a new experience with this. I'm open yeah. to seeing this a different way. I'm open to seeing if this can be different for me, you know, and you're not making it happen, but you're opening yourself up to be able to recognize and to let it happen. That's what all of this stuff is about. It is less about making stuff happen and much more about letting it all happen because the stuff in the real world comes right, you know, it's kind of, if you've had the same kind of hairstyle and makeup for the last 25 years and you've been looking in the same mirror above your dresser for 25 years and you go out and get your hair cut and colored and new makeup and come back, is the mirror going to say, hey, it's going to take me a while to catch up with your new appearance? No. The mirror reflects it right away. So it's about that when you click to that space inside where you get to that place of, you know, having that, that openness, that willingness, that shift in yourself and in your attitude and your mindset and perspective, the outside world will begin reflecting that back to you immediately. Okay, That's so been my experience. So in the three minutes or less that we have going to the next commercial break, Tell us how someone can start a three-by-three meditation and what it looks like. Okay. What I would recommend is take it seven days at a time. If you don't know if this is going to work for you, if you have openness and curiosity about it, just say, you know what, I'm open to trying this for seven days. And it doesn't have to be three-by-three. It can be whatever works for you, you know. 
And then put reminders in your calendar or in your cell phone, like whatever's going to keep you committed to the practice. And the reminders are more like memory joggers. So you remember in the middle of your busy afternoon, let me see where there's a place where I can sit quietly for three minutes. And then set a timer when you go to meditate so you're not kind of peeking, like, oh, have I been here for two minutes, one minute? Like, how long has it been? You want to set a timer. Feels like it's been an hour. It's been 30 seconds. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You want to set a timer so you can really lose yourself in the focus of the meditation. And then for the first seven days, if you're just getting back into it or just starting, you can do something simple like um, just focus on your breath. Just become aware of your breathing and just feel your body breathing in and out. And if you prefer not to close your eyes, you can light a candle and play a little game where you look for shapes in the candle flame. You know, ooh, that looks like the spire of a cathedral or the bottom of a wedding dress or whatever. Um, You can also do something, if your mind just seems super crazy, you can do something that, that I call a neutral distraction activity. You can start with the number 783 and count backwards by seven. You know, and it's not about the math. I've, I've done that a million times, and I look at the different answer at the end. But it's about being able to train yourself to exclusively focus on something neutral so you can interrupt that subconscious programming that's been running you. Does that make sense? It, it does. And actually, a doctor had once told me, we were talking about anti-anxiety kind of processes to use on different people. My My mom has some dementia stuff, so she can kind of get into a panic. And he's like, start at 100 and make her count back by 6 or by 9. Mm. And I'm like, really? Why? That's so hard for her. And he goes, yeah, but it makes her think of nothing else except the math. So she kind of forgets about the anxiety. That's exactly right. Because you're interrupting, that anxiety is running her or the depression or the negative thinking or the old belief or whatever is running us. And then we can take our empowerment back and just interrupt that and that puts the little space in between that's what makes it possible to have change when you interrupt and put space in between those negative thoughts that's brilliant simple brilliant and it it doesn't require anything other than you being willing to be open to an interruption in the thought process that you currently have that's exactly right so when we come back from this break I know there's more than just interrupting the process. You now need to get new thoughts in there. So when we come back with Dina Proctor, we're going to talk about the three-by-three meditations and how you can begin to really retrain your thoughts. Be right back. So, Dina, um, you were talking about interrupting the thought process and beginning to retrain the thoughts. Take us a little bit more through it and, and how you actually, once you've interrupted that rut, that process going on in your brain that my realization I've been sabotaging myself with thoughts that nothing changes for me after 21 days so why bother anymore Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you begin putting that new positive thought in there that actually shifts you in the two and a half weeks or whatever that it does for you or in three days or in one moment yeah okay great question So what I was describing before was kind of the weeding the garden exercise. So you're being able to rid yourself of those weedy kind of thoughts and being able to find pockets of time where you can focus on something neutral, right? So that's the first step in being able to train yourself. You've got to be able to 
quiet your mind at will, and that's what that's doing. And the way to tell if you're doing it right, you know, say that you're sitting down for meditation and you got to pick up the dog and your daughter is sick and you got all this stuff going on and you're really stressed out. You sit down for the meditation, you come out of it three minutes later, and it takes you a second, like, wait a minute, what did I need to do? Like, if it takes you a second, oh, yeah, you know, i got to pick up my kid and the dog and everything. If it takes you a second to remember what it was that you were so stressed out about before you sat down to meditate, you've done it. That's how you know that you're successful with the with being able to quiet your mind at will because you have consciously and consistently interrupted that subconscious programming, that old, old thought pattern or that stress pattern. So now when you're able to do that at will, which may take seven days, 14 days, 21 days, like just renew it seven days at a time as you need to because this is building the foundation of the home. You don't want to shortchange yourself on this. So after you feel comfortable with like, yeah, I can really quiet my mind at will, then that's when it gets fun. That's when you start planting the roses. So you can come up with a positive visualization of what you'd like to experience. Like let me give you an example. I had um, high cholesterol for like eight years because I was doing all these crazy diets and all of this stuff, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so I was consistently having this high cholesterol problem. And it came to me one day in meditation and I thought, you know what, I wonder if I could visualize myself having normal cholesterol and I wonder if that would work. So I visualized that there was like these scrubbing bubbles in my blood, (laughs) this kind of healing serum. Like I had this feeling of like it being a warm honey, like this warm, thick, bubbly, scrubbly kind of you know, kind of cleaning liquid that was moving through my bloodstream. And I would visualize this for the three minutes, and I would visualize it three times a day. And when I went to the doctor for my normal checkup, my cholesterol was normal for the first time in, like, you know, seven or eight years. And I know that the visualization was a very powerful, um, you know, kind of factor to what happened there. So what I did was I just thought to myself, what would be awesome if it existed? I, I, it would be awesome if I could get like little scrubbers in my blood to be able to scrub out all the cholesterol, right? So pick a visualization. And it doesn't just have to be, this is how I work with people with like, you know, body stuff or picturing a little vacuum taking out, you know, if you have extra on your body that you don't want, like um, extra weight or something like that. Whatever visualization that works for you, you can imagine that you're just unzipping your body loading your body down the river and you're left with your little light essence and you're doing cartwheels and jumps and all this kind of stuff like whatever visualization that really lights you up and that really inspires you and you can read you know people have all kinds of tons of ideas of visualizations or you can just make up one on your own where you're intuitively guided and you know it can be anything it could be what what I would advise you to do like I was using that example of being hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and then visualizing yourself on a private jet meaning you know ultra rich And so sometimes it's too big of a jump. And so in the beginning, you want to just open yourself up to the possibility, like, okay, what if it's possible for me to be able to do this? You know, do that for seven days or 14 days or whatever you need. And then start visualizing, like, you know what? I've never had, you know, maybe a $10,000 month in my business. I wonder if it's possible to make $10,000 in one month. I'm open to seeing how that's possible. So like setting something that's something you've never done before, but it's not like, you know, millions, it's not too much of a stretch. You don't have too, the reason that you don't want it to be too much of a stretch is because you want to have as little resistance to this as possible. Because as soon as you introduce resistance, you've got, you know, the counter effect going on. You've got the positive thought being canceled by the negative thought and you go nowhere. They zero each other out. So you want to pick something that's like as positive as you can go with it, but that you still have no resistance. It kind of like lights you up. It's like, oh my gosh, I bet I could do like a $10,000 a month in my business. That would be awesome. So, or I wonder if I could hire an assistant within the next six months. You know, just something that's 
a smaller step, but that would really feel like, okay, this is, this is something that I could, that I really could get behind that I'm really inspired by. And once you start doing that and getting kind of this evidence for yourself that it's working, that's when you can get bigger momentum. I believe, you know, if you could have no resistance while being hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and have zero resistance to picturing yourself on a private jet, that's good for you. I think that that's awesome. But for most of us, we have this like, you know, we have this glass ceiling that we put upon ourselves as far as what's possible, as far as how much weight we could lose or how much healing we can experience or how much improvement in our relationships or in our finances. And so work within the, you know, the thing that you have, become curious about if you could just exceed it just a little bit. And once you start gaining momentum in that and getting these smaller wins, you're going, it's a snowball effect and you're going to be able to really um, dynamically increase the amount that you're able to visualize and draw into yourself. And you're really going to get that, you know, kind of, I guess you would call it proof or that experience that what you are doing with your mind is being reflected in your outer reality. Yeah, I love the concept of small wins. I mean, taking the abundance issues you just talked about, it could even be something as simple as at the just before my next paycheck comes in, I actually have $5 left over from the previous one. If you've never mm. been able to have money left from your, so you're living paycheck to paycheck, it, this, the win doesn't matter. It's give yourself something so that you can see that it's possible. And then next month, maybe it's $10 or it's $100 or it's $5,000 or whatever it may be. It's just giving yourself that shift. So, Dina, um, we're running low on time, and I could talk to you for hours, and I think you and I need to do a webinar together to really go deeper into this. Oh, that would be fun. That would be so awesome. And then we have visuals, too, which is which is great. <laughs> you have amazing resources on your website. Tell my listeners how they can reach out to you, find out about you, find out more. I know your book is available wherever books are sold. It's Madly Chasing Peace, How I Went from Hell to Happy in Nine Minutes a Day. But... Tell us how people can get in touch with you and get some amazing free resources. Oh, sure. Um, everything is right there on my, my website, which is the same as the title of the book. So it's just madlychasingpeace.com. And then um, on there, there's all I have. A, I love doing um, videos. So I have these video posts. It's like a video blog. So it's called a vlog. I have all these like videos where I give information and little tips and tricks. And then I have a um, kind of a newsletter subscription and email list if you want to sign up for it on my homepage. And if you do, you get um, this, it's kind of like a starter, a starter, like one page on how to start your three by three meditation practice. It also includes a guided meditation for attracting abundance into your life. Um, So those are some free things that are on there. And then I also have you know, guided audios and a video series and all kinds of other resources as well. And I, I love that your guided audios are like 99 cents. Yeah, they're 99 cents. But it's so perfect because you're removing the barrier from somebody getting started with changing their thinking. And yeah. that's so beautiful. And so thank you for doing that. Oh, I'm so glad. And Lord, it's just been such a joy. I love sharing it. It's so my passion. And so thanks for... Um, inviting me to be part of this. Well, this has been another wonderful show. And um, everybody, get up to madlychasingpeace.com. I know I am going to download a couple more resources from Dina's site. If you use the app Omvana, O-M-V-A-N-A, she has a number of vocal meditations out there as well that you can get. Um, I love the 3 by 3s I think they're great. I haven't done them in a really long time, and I need to get started again. So thank you, Tina, for being here and reminding me my thinking was getting a little bit stinking again. 
<laughs> I know. We all need that once in a while to just be, you know, I yeah. get that. Happens to me, too. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you, listeners, for joining us again for another episode. Go to itsallaboutthequestions.com to get more resources. And next week we'll be talking with Linda Sterling and the Publishing Authority. Remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? Have a great day, everyone, and happy Mother's Day.